This is Fusion Music Radio's Birds of a Feather. And what is Birds of a Feather? Well, we are an indie music-focused show rife with witty, fuck-laden, insanely interesting, and unhinged banter. We believe our fascinating, fun features and thematic song submissions will confuse, infuse, and delight you. I am Christina Baldwin, and I am the vocalist for the Southern California band Ascent, and uh, my amazing co-host who allows me to ride his coattails every week is... And I'm Professor B. Soup. I'm a radio host, uh, he said, needlessly, on a radio show. He's clearly <laughs> co-hosting. I'm a recording artist, he said, pointlessly, as it's abundantly clear, nobody cares. And I, most interestingly, I ain't no hollaback girl, he said, to confound the audience with a non-sequitur. So, yeah, that's me. Now, aren't you glad you asked? <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That was a fucking rat. <laughs> okay, I'm going to jump back in. Oh, my God. I ain't <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. <clears throat> Jay, you're acting like that was another my money, my pussy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> my money. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Where's the egg? Hold on. Okay, do it, do it, do it. My um, money, my, my pussy. pussy. <laughs> I hate your, you know, it's my, I hate your fake ass bitches. That's right. Yep. It's my money, my pussy. I hate your fake ass bitches. I'ma take your man and you ain't gonna shit. <laughs> okay. We'll have to work on that. We'll work it out. It's like bad boys. We gotta work on that. We'll work on it. Yeah, we'll work on it. Uh, but we owe that to the audience, I think. Yes. Okay. Uh, all right, so that's us. But now, before we start the usual opener, which Christina has very cleverly decided to call Bird Banter, there is uh, something unique about this episode. It is our ninth. That's not a particularly compelling number or anything, but it's unique in that we're actually recording the show together in the mobile soup kitchen. And we've never done the show in the same place before. And nobody at Fusion Music Radio ever has, except Lewis and Octane. So it's kind of a historic thing. We Yanks got together. We're doing a show here, and uh, in the mobile, uh, in the mobile, it sounds very Rolling Stones, very Deep Purple. Well, that's it's way cooler, I think. So this is an experiment, and uh, if it works out, we're going to continue to do it. And I think that will change the tenor of the show in some strange way. Do you not think so, Christina? I absolutely agree. I mean, you're looking at me. I'm looking at you. First of all, it's it's much more fucking funny than it is online. Now it's fucking funny online, but to sit across from you and like see your expressions and see how you're actually emoting while you're doing these segments is fucking brilliant so i do think it's going to change things i think it's going to probably enrich it i think it's going to make it even better and who knew it could get fucking better who knew you know, I never, th- I never thought of that—that that nobody's ever actually seen me do a show before, and you're the first. Yeah, well, no one's ever seen me do a show before either. That's true too. <laughs> <laughs> we just, re- we just kind of rehearse on the fly as we're going uh, about in the world and everything. That's right. Speaking of going out, that's going to tie into the bird banter as well, because mm. part of the subject at hand is the ability to go out. As most people have been, the word quarantine is bandied about. It's not entirely accurate, however, lockdown and basically semi-forced to spend an undue an unwarranted and unwanted amount of time at home. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about. We talked about it on an earlier episode. And tonight we want to see how things are progressing, and at least they are progressing a little bit. It's uh, more than 90 days already the restrictions began. Restrictions on movements, uh, venues were being closed, and that's one of the things we're talking about. 
Social distancing requirements. I already said on butterflies, I would scream if I ever heard that again. Could extend until 2022. This means that concerts may be postponed until 2022. I believe that was a California thing, though, right? I think it's a California thing, too. And I just want to say, this is one of those situations where we likely differ a little bit. I do not feel that the restrictions were unwarranted. I actually feel much better that not only has my job taken it very seriously, but that, you know, people have done what they need to do to protect each other. I am one of those people who gets really, 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 really sick to a point where it's pretty fucking scary. In fact, I was telling you about this recently that I thought that I had it in December. And if that's what this fucking thing is, it's terrifying and I thought I was going to die. So, I say that because I do know that it's unprecedented, so it feels like we are chicken littling everything. Uh If that's what it was, trust me, it's fucking terrifying and you don't want it. So, I'd rather be safe than sick or dead because I thought I was going to die. First of all, you did a pretty good job of concealing just how bad it was and how sick you were. Because I went through that, and if that's even scarier, if it wasn't COVID, like, what the fuck was it that tried to, like, kill me? But that's why I'm okay with it. Now, I will say, had I not gone through that, I'm not sure how I would feel about it. But given how sick I was, I'm just grateful that we're being very careful. Yeah, and I want to say that, you know, it's true, as Elvis saying, that cats were born to give chicks fever, but that is not the kind of fever we are talking about here. And I'm very sorry that you... See, I'm seeing the reaction now. <laughs> I that's one thing that's been missing as I've been able to see. I pull things on you and I want to see the reaction, but I can only hear it. I almost spewed water everywhere just now. <laughs> that's one. I will certainly be doing a karaoke, uh, but when will that be allowed to happen? Is the real question. First of all, as far as the statistics, if one percent of the population has it, then half are asymptomatic, so you'll never know you have it. Two hundred fifty people in a stadium of fifty thousand. Touching chairs, eating, talking, jumping, and shouting. That does give one pause. True, definitely does. Would you feel comfortable attending a concert in the current environment? I'm sorry, but I would. Um, I would be more cautious than usual. I was just saying this to you yesterday, I think. If I had to stand on a piece of tape at a concert, I don't think I would go. But I've had time to rethink that since then. I would, I think, to support the artist. It wouldn't feel anything like it did before. It would be kind of like we ate in a restaurant and every other table was blocked off. I mean, social distancing at a concert would be a hard sell. But I think to support the artists, I would do it. I would not want to go right now just because there's too much that we don't know. What if I am the one that's sick and I give it to somebody and they die? I can't even handle that thought. As far as supporting artists, I love that you're literally a diehard. (laughs) I love that you would do that. But I don't think a lot of artists are going to be willing to do it. I guess we'll see what happens. But I right now would not feel comfortable attending a concert. Even if I'm not thinking about me, I have to think about other people if I'm asymptomatic. Well, I would try to be careful with other people, of course, but I don't know. It's it's hard to know, isn't it? It's a hard it's sell. Like, it really is because the concert experience would be so different. That so way. different. And that, the best part of it was that jumping around, screaming, like kind of bumping yeah. into each other and like, right on, right, man? Like you're looking at each other and you're connecting with the artists and each other. There I are mean, some places that you really enjoy better if they're crowded, man. Yes. Like, the whiskey. The, the, the Viper Room. The Whiskey A Go-Go. The Night of the Angel concert, it was so crowded. Jet Jupiter and Teddy Heavens of Rebel Rebel were there, too. And we got that great selfie. But it was packed that night. I just can't pay... I, I saw a picture, a video, in fact, on my phone of the Rainbow Bar and Grill upstairs on an improv jam night. And there were 40, 50 people in that pit Damn. there. And everybody was playing, and they were so close. And everybody was just... It looks so foreign after just a few months to right. see that. 
but I I love that. I miss that so much. In fact, I participated in that night a little bit. Uh, it was beautiful. So it was a great night. Was, but see, I look at those pictures and I long for that again. It doesn't make me fearful. And there's uh, some speculation about a vaccine it might be 12 to 18 months away, and concerts might have to wait until that. Uh, the risk being too great, the experts say that we should really wait until the vaccine comes to resume playing live music like that, at least the way we used to know it. And some say we have to vaccinate 70% of the population uh, to get back to the uh, pre-COVID days. Widespread testing may need to be established before any kind of large public event could be safe. So that would be years we're possibly talking, just like it said, 2022. And it's an estimated that 20% of fans will not go back to shows until there is a vaccine. I wonder how they came about that information, but I, I, I can't believe it, though. 20% of fans, yeah, okay. I would go back to a show without a vaccine, but of course, if there were a vaccine, we would be able to sort of resume, so mm-hmm. let's hope that happens soon. Yeah, absolutely, and I think more of people like me who think they may have had it and get the antibody test... You know, then maybe we can help move it forward. That's what I'm hoping is if I get it, can I donate blood to help them do testing to help them? You know what I mean? Because I don't know if I had it. But now that I look back, maybe it did. Omega man as fuck. You know, that's <laughs> 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 see, we're a little bit older. We get that. I don't know about you kids, but we, we, we get that. Omega man as fuck. I love it. Finally, you get to talk about the restatement of the theme. Yes. And we had a really great theme, as we always do, of course. But this time it was goth and dark wave. And I'm going to tell you, we had great submissions. Anyway, we've got an amazing show for you. Um, We also have some industrial that snuck in there, some electronica that snuck in there, because it's all kind of part of goth and dark wave. Ah. Yeah, it snuck in there, and I'm telling you, it is is a perfect marriage. So um, we will not disappoint you. Well, but genres, though, the whole subject of genres is interesting, because it's useful as a rough guideline. I mean, you know, you have to start somewhere. You have to say you're a something, something. You do. But uh, in defining an act, but, you know, sometimes the artist owns it, and sometimes it's thrust upon them by the media this is a so-and-so band and they don't they don't even think of themselves that way it's like jack the ripper's nickname or something right if you came across a bunch of kids in the 60s and you heard them listen to the beach boys and asked them what's that they would say it's rock and roll man and who would argue right right but if that song were played today the way it sounds it would probably be considered a pop song Mm -hmm. but if Katy perry's california girls were played back in the 60s it would be considered rock and roll that's right it's all about the perception and unfortunately the perception keeps people from appreciating from discovering new music but that's one of the things that we do breaking that down here on the show because it isn't just goth per se but it's something close enough so you can see there's a lot of uh, commonality here but some genres are quite distinct uh, with like no real crossover like EDM is not reggae is no. not jazz is not classical it's not blues right but rock and pop and goth and and the the dark wave and everything really do get blurred and I think that uh, you know just listen to everything it's, there's going to be something out there you like and uh, there's music here today that isn't golf per se we know you're going to love this stuff because it's excellent songs we got for you tonight now you know as, as keen as I was to promote in a metal mood I am sorry to say that Pat Boone does not have an in a golf mood album I <laughs> his birthday is Monday and I can't wait but he does not have that album and I would love to hear it. and I personally will be running the subject of genres further into the ground later on uh, during a certain segment what for now 
Well, I will say we own whatever you say we are as a scent. So some people will say we're rock. Some people will say we're dark rock. Some people will say we're hard rock. We've got metal. We get... um, Polka. We don't get polka. (laughs) But you know what? If you want to call us fucking polka, we'll own that shit all day long. You said to polka. You know, maybe we will. (laughs) Ascent does polka. I like it. Hey, you know, I'm going to work on that. But we are what you you need us to be. We are whatever you say we are, and we're comfortable with that. So I think genres are a little bit of bullshit, but what they do allow is for us to find our audience. So that is one of the reasons why I really like them. So if I say I'm rock and you're looking for some new rock and you come upon a scent, perhaps you will take a listen because it is a genre that you're interested in. So I think it's an interesting point you make about genres. And uh, we run into that a lot. My paper <laughs> You are. <laughs> I'm talking, you're like, what the hell? What am I doing? It's so cute. Is that what you do normally? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know? <laughs> All right. So song number 10 um, is by a band that I know I have to go back again because <laughs> we went off on a fucking tangent. <laughs> I, 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 you were proceeding with the song so quickly, but the tangent was planned all along. <laughs> <laughs> did not know that. <laughs> well, fuck. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we need a signal. Here. We do. <laughs> we, need a, we need a hand signal. But now we can use hand signals. Stop, now we can say, here's a hand signal. It means I have something to say. Don't fucking just keep going. <laughs> Stop. That's right. Yeah. Whereas what? normally we can't do that. We're like, we step on each other and ship it. Now I'm like, he is clearly not done talking. And now I can jump in. It is so your turn, though. All right. It is so my turn. So now we go to song number 10, and it is by somebody that I know, somebody close to my heart here, Paul Lovecraft. So he is a producer in L.A. and somebody that I've worked with um, for a couple collaborations now, a dear friend of mine, and very, very talented. What up? <laughs> hey, <laughs> what? And I Feel Love. Uh-huh. You Disco, I Feel Love, that. and Word Up. Come on. Now, this is this is some stuff you need to hear. And see, uh, visual, he does videos. Yes, um, and I'm in both of those videos one features me which is concerning and the other i'm part of which is fine um so this song is called goth 17 teenage trauma so i mean what could be more appropriate that tambourine though those dark deep and brooding vocals that guitar is early cure but the song is all lovecraft with a title like goth 17 it had to make our countdown i drew my eyeliner extra thick while listening to this track and you'll see why here is goth 17 Oh, too 
first feature and I love this one Owl do it better than Emu and for this feature we discuss covers of <laughs> damn it the problem is now we can see each other <laughs> it's hard to do this shit and look at her at the same time <laughs> because, because you're you're so fucking animated and you're so in I'm like fuck he's so and then it makes me in but then it's just it's endearing and awesome to see how in you are and I came up with this and I remember thinking he's gonna be like I'm not fucking saying that one time that's bullshit Christina I'll do it better than emo I'm not fucking saying that oh, and you're I in I love that man. <laughs> <laughs> no it is like oh damn I gotta say this stupid shit <laughs> I love it I love, I love all the segments 
So, no, 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 but it, I do. I, I say it loud and proud. I'll do it better than emu. <laughs> For this feature, the, which I love, we discuss cover songs that rival or are better than the original. Mainstream is a fair game, and so is indie. Now, here's one, and talk about a rarity. A Beatles song where somebody actually outdid the original, to me, as hard as that is to believe, and it's David Bowie with his cover of Across the Universe. I love this version, and this one is so interesting because of this. You know, I always wonder what artists think when their songs are covered. In the uh, lamentable Gary Jules Tears for Fears case, <laughs> hey. they were probably <laughs> horrified, and the songwriter might not even get a say in it if they don't own the publishing rights, and that does happen, where it's pe- your mu- people can allow your music to be used even if you don't like what they do with it. Sometimes the artist knows and is glad to participate, as in the wonderful exemplary case of Ronnie James Dio, who appears on the previously mentioned Pat Boone album, In a Metal Mood, in the song Holy Diver. Dio actually appears on the track with Pat Boone and this wonderful big band, and I'm telling you, it's a thing of beauty. This whole record is. And this is another instance where we know the writer approved of this version because he appears on the track. John Lennon. Uh, many Beatles songs are Lennon and McCartney. This is just a Lennon song. And he is on the track with Bowie. He sings and he plays guitar. And this is a slightly lesser known fact, uh, but it's significant to me. He also, John Lennon also co-wrote the immortal classic fame with David Bowie and plays on the track and sings on the track, the same as he does across the universe. I remember this when it was new. In 1974, David Bowie had done a complete about-face from the conceptual apocalyptic glam of the brilliant Diamond Dogs and released the first of his Blue-Eyed Plastic Soul masterpieces, Young Americans, on which this utterly brilliant version of Across the Universe appears. And it's funny, whenever I get into my car and turn it on, it recognizes my phone and it starts to play the first thing in my iTunes library and it's Bowie's version of Across the Universe. I've heard this a hundred thousand times and it's always welcome. Oh, you know, first it's Paul, Mar- Paul McCartney accentuate the positive oh. and, then, and then Across the Universe. Can't it's like go you wrong got, with that. Yeah, you got McCartney, you got uh, Bowie. It's absolutely brilliant. And off the top of my head, I can't think of an instance of a Beatles song being done better than the original, except, as discussed on an earlier show, Joe Cocker's With a Little Help from My Friends. It is so different that it really doesn't warrant comparison in the same way, but uh, Bowie's is very different, too. Mm -hmm. He's left out some things, he's added some things, and he's tweaked the melody. See, Lennon's version with the Beatles was this drowsy, druggy thing, real mellow, you know? like his I'm Only Sleeping, or the White Album version of Revolution 1, as opposed to the gnarly rock version of it. It's very dreamy. Bowie infuses this tune with so much emotion, and he makes the most tasteful embellishments to uh, what was already a beautiful song. So, to me, hands down, uh, with a little help from his friend John Lennon, David Bowie was the owl that did it better than Emu from the absolutely must-hear album, Young Americans. Check it out. Yes, I'm sounding like I'm doing a mixtape here, but you've got to... <laughs> if you don't know this record, you got to hear it. And uh, what are we over to? You? I am so loving this. It is fun doing it together, isn't it? It's totally different. Yeah. I mean, it's already we might super as well, we fun. We might as well say that anyway. You know. Yeah. All right, we're back on you. Yes. You know, it is totally different doing it in the set like this together. Totally. Oh, totally different. Actually... It's really, way more really fun. love it. It's, it's way, way more, more fun. fun. <laughs> okay, so pardon us if we keep losing it with all the fun. But, uh, yes. <clears throat> we, we'll try to make it fun for you, too. Yes, indeed. Uh, 
Which brings me to the grave responsibility, and I do mean grave. Uh, <laughs> 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 what did I do now? <laughs> this shit you say. <laughs> I just this thought of that. I have say. a couple of little notes here, but I just thought of that. Like, it just it seems right. This is shit you say. <laughs> this fucking slays me. <laughs> We're not, I'm not cutting this out. So, okay. <laughs> Uh, song number nine, <laughs> The Ooze from the UK. And the name of the song is called Skeleton's 12. Sorry. Skeleton's yeah. 12. Uh, first of all, you had me at Skeleton. Of course. All you had to do is just talk about Skeletons, and I'm like, what? 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 I'm what? In. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's Here's like, my money. It's like honey. <laughs> it's like if you say honey. I mean, when I see, honey? A, when I see a product, actual honey, like oh. honey you eat. All right. If I see a product and it says honey, I'm like, okay. You had me already. I'd like that. I don't, I don't, yes. Yeah, don't, don't even tell me what the... What, I don't even want to see what's coming afterwards. I mean, honey, dirt, and worms. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. Shut long up and take got, my money. As long as it's got honey. That's Same right. Same thing with skeletons. Okay. Any, but the song. What about the song, though? Well, they had me at the beginning with the ghostly vocals, uh, like straight out of Oingo Boingo, Ooh. and a production. A production as frosty as the icicles hanging from a tomb. Ooh. It's a party. But it's a dead man's party. And I gotta say, I absolutely loved it. But then, the music takes a dark turn, and they seem to be trying to actually scare us before <laughs> back to the spaz dancing around the headstones. And I know I'd be going off up in the club if this thing came on. Meanwhile, Christina would be dealing with some new admirer. You know, now I know a lot of people in the audience are her friends. That means you've probably been out with her, so you know. You've probably experienced what I'm talking about. But if you have not, and you ever do end up out with Christina, just expect unusual behavior from, like, everybody. <laughs> like, everybody out there. I mean, <clears throat> people, first of all, on the lower end, people will walk up and say, you know, oh, you're beautiful, you have beautiful hair. Okay, fine, I understand that. But they will flat out hit on... First of all, they will say really bizarre things, like things that don't even make sense. They just unload all of their crazy upon seeing her. And... They flat out hit on her too. Men, women, cigar store Indians, it doesn't matter. They all go after her. And it's like they see we're together, right? I mean, and if they don't know her, then they don't know she's married. Right. And, you know, that, but then again, in the garish red lighting of the average dive bar rock venue or the seizure inducing strobe light, they can't see that I'm old enough to be her father. And <laughs> you are not. That is such crap. And they, they don't know that we're not together. I mean, right. they don't know we're just friends, you know. So it's like they just flat out hit on it regardless, you know. <laughs> and uh, ask people ask her things like, you know, like she knows everything. And uh, it, she does know everyone, though, just about. But uh, the people who don't, the people who she doesn't know, and you run into people she knows everywhere, uh, <laughs> hit on her or, or say weird or say bizarre things to her. One or the other. So just so you know, since the club came up and we're hoping to one day experience such things again. Nobody has uh, acted bizarrely around Christina in quite some time. It's been a while. <laughs> it really has. Well, that's not true. I do still get messages on Facebook, and people are really fucking weird there, too. Yeah, but. thank goodness for social media. Right, exactly. Well, you know, I will say it's dark in the clubs, and maybe that's why people think that I'm cuter than I actually am. But I do have that um, oracle magnetism. I don't know why. People are like, 
like, oh, this is the Oracle. She knows everything. I can tell her anything. And they do, and they will, and they have. Remember that lady who was like, I must read your palm. Yes, I have yes. to read your palm. I, you have this energy, and I must actually, and I will do it for free. I don't even want any money. David Strader comes out and like, no, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I just threw my two cents in. You know? And I did not get my reading, but it was very, very bizarre, and she was very intensely staring at me and started to tell me things about myself that I she thinks I should know. Um, of course, we exited stage left very quickly, but that's the shit that happens to me. If they're ever going to take a chance and say weird shit to someone, I'm really pretty fucking safe. Yeah, they can sense that it's okay to say weird yeah. shit to you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know. I mean, it's like the, th- the stuff I say to you, I probably wouldn't say to anybody else. I just, you know, the way... <laughs> 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 the shit I dump on you, I would not do. <laughs> I expect them to just take it. <laughs> yeah. All, right. All right. The ooze. Yeah, you can find the ooze. And I love that song so much. All right. Uh, you can, <laughs> before we got off on that little kick about going off of all in the club, you know. Very, very thin Sca- 
And you can find their delicious psycho pop rock goth on Facebook at The Ooze. It's the double O H Z Ooze, like ooh, only with a Z at the end. <laughs> and, uh, um, <laughs> and what are you laughing about now? Yeah. Double O H Z, like that shit just rolls out. I mean, like, where the fuck does why that come from? I would always say O O H Z. You're like, no, double O H Z. Well, fuck yeah, just do it. Do it upright. Don't let me get in the way. <laughs> This is somebody that you know, and I've just come to know him. <laughs> it's just paper. This is like Why does it this roll is like off me? Cherry Louis shit level over here. It Why is. It just yeah. keeps falling and falling. <laughs> so, are you fucking kidding me? It's going to keep happening. <laughs> it is. It's like a Jerry Lewis movie over here. <laughs> <laughs> you keep talking and it just goes. Ray goes. I'm like, fuck. You need to staple that shit. I don't know. <laughs> I know, right? All right, song number eight by a gentleman near and dear to Fusion Music Radio who's been our guest on Butterflies and Hurricanes. Goes by the name now of Lou Blacksail, and his music project is Liars of Ur. He's a one-man band. He does it all, but he records under that name, and I totally get that. And it's just an awesome goth rock blend. And I don't believe he has a problem being labeled goth, but I would call him a rocker as well. And he has a penchant for writing anthems. And here's another one. I think his second in a row, Pale is the New Tan.
All right, so before you go on, I have to stop you, and I have to talk about how much I love this band. I love every single song I've heard, old and new. Found out about this band about four months ago, and I am hooked. I love every single thing, and I cannot wait for the next single. This one-man band is crazy amazing, and once you hear one song, any song, pick a song, you're going to be in. So I apologize for derailing, but I had to gush about this band because I am hashtag fangirl. We love enthusiasm. That's what it's all about. Getting people. I, I always I joked with Bad Mary about that. I said, you know, I, I, I do things a little differently. I said, it's while it might be important to let the artist speak, I think the most important thing is to hype the audience about them to get the audience yes. enthused about them so if you guys could basically keep your pie holes shut and let me <laughs> let me spurg on like a fanboy and they said fine they were fine, fine no, with go that. Right ahead. <laughs> they were fine with it I have to say that is probably one of our favorite things about you David when we did our interview with you is I was like oh you just want to go on and tell us how great we are and how amazing that song was you know what no problem we'll wait <laughs> you make me sound like some kind of fanboy. Oh. That's that's my that's my mo. That's how I do. But yeah, there are Portland peeps. Uh, there are he rather's are Portland peeps. What what? But Lou. <laughs> what what? I tried to be cute. <laughs> I thought it was. It almost turned into an Abbott and Costello routine. I thought you were saying who? I'm talking about Lou. Damn it! We're still talking about Lou. <laughs> But one of our Portland peeps up there in the great Portland music scene. Hi, Liz. Hi, Melanie. Woo! Hi, uh, Barbie and Vince. Hi, everybody out there. Well, and more importantly, hi, Lou. Hi, Lou. Yeah. <laughs> up in Portland, great music scene with yeah. Die Robot. Uh, <coughs> well, we like Portland from a distance. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I mean. I've been there. I mm. love it. All right, and you can find Lou, Liars of Or on Facebook at Liars of Or Band. Liars of Or Band on Facebook. And that will link you to all of his fantastic music. All right, so now we are on to feature two, Raven or Nevermore. And for this feature, we weigh in on current events and trends in popular music. Is it something we are raving about, or do we want to hear about it? Nevermore. And this week's topic is tribute compilation albums. So, now there are millions of these. Oh, out there, Lord, Dave. yes. <laughs> Lord, there are so many. <laughs> there are so, it was very, very difficult to kind of try to pick some, but I tried to pick some that I thought were varied across different genres and different, you know, time periods. So going to talk about some notable tribute compilations. Um, one that happened when I was really young, um, <laughs> sort of, was Two Rooms. So Two Rooms, celebrating the songs of Elton John and Bernie Toppin. And some of the contributors are Sinead O'Connor, or were Sinead O'Connor, Joe Cocker, Eric Clapton, Sting, George Michael, George Michael, Kate Bush, Holland Oates, so, I listened to quite a few of these, and I want to say, now, the listeners gave it 4.5 out of 5, and I'm just trying to figure out who the fuck was listening to that, because I really tried. I did like what George Michael did, of course. I appreciated what Joe Cocker did. Kate Bush always kind of blows my socks off, but I have to tell you, I was really, really disappointed with this, and so, here's the thing again that I'm going to say, it's similar to kind of tribute bands and stuff, is he's not dead yet. So why are we paying tribute to somebody that's alive? And I get that we want to say, oh, we love your music. But if you can't make it better, then I just say, then just just don't. But we're moving on to the next one, which is Stone Free. By, and it's a tribute to Jimi Hendrix. Now this blew my fucking socks off. 
This was amazing. And actually, I was stunned to find out that it was in our CD collection. Really? Yeah. So I, I mentioned it. I said, you know, I was actually listening to some of this, you know, Stone Free, and it was really good. And Bruce said, oh. And then we played the whole thing, and I was absolutely blown away. Of course, you've got people like Jeff Beck. I mean, who else? Um, Eric Clapton, Nile Rodgers, Slash, The Cure. And I, I played for you the Cure's version of Purple Haze. Yes. Oh, yes. My Very interesting. God. I liked it. I loved it. The Pretenders, Seal and Paul Rogers, and Buddy Guy. It was, it blew me away. If you're going to listen to any of the compilations I'm talking about today, that is the one. I just say fucking go on Amazon and buy it. It is that good. So, before I go on to another one, I want to give you an opportunity to weigh in on the Two Rooms and Stone Free. Oh, me? Well, I love Elton John, of course. The songs of Elton John and Bernie Taupin are just magic, absolute magic. I grew up on them. I had, like, all, every single one of his 70s albums. Uh, and, you know, I know how good they are together. For some reason, tributes and compilations, I don't know why they just don't grip me that much. There are some great covers, but... Um, it occurred to me, well, and, and even in this list, there are two notable ones that have tribute compilation albums that aren't even on this list. And as she said, there are so many. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Kiss has one. Mm. Alice Cooper uh, has one called Human Ares Stew. A bunch of people doing Alice Cooper songs, Kiss songs. Garth Brooks is on that one. And one of my favorite compilations, though, it's but it's not of a recording artist per se, is The Glory of Gershwin mm. from 1994, if I'm not mistaken. And it was all just Gershwin songs. George and Ira Gershwin uh, being sung by people like Kate Bush. Kate mm. Bush does The Man I Love. Carly Simon, uh, Robert Palmer, Sting, Meatloaf, Elvis Costello. It's just an incredible record. Wow. It reminded me, uh, that's the only one I've ever had. I don't have any of these I don't that you named. I don't have the Kiss or Alice Cooper one. The only one I have, the closest thing I have to that is the String Quartet's tribute to Black Sabbath. Now, that's mm, pretty friggin' cool. Pretty I love that one. But no, and the Gershwin one, beyond that, I don't have any of these. There must be a reason for that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, there has to be a reason I well, don't get these things, as we, many records as I get, because they're not that great, I guess. They're not. Well, wait till I tell you the rest of them. You're going to think, oh, you're going to think, oh, that would, that's going to be so good. And I'm, I'm going to have to probably share some disappointing news. Then there is If I Were a Carpenter, which we talked about <laughs> on the last show, and I took a listen to this and just no just no I'm sorry the answer is no I believe the one the ungrateful bastard Richard Carpenter <laughs> that's right <laughs> I, I love him I believe the one he objected to was Superstar by Sonic Youth is it that right it was horrendous horrendous so Richard horrendous. is vindicated yes it was absolutely horrendous and that was the first one I listened to and you know I love Jeanette Napolitano I just didn't get it I didn't get Sonic Youth I didn't get the Cheryl Crow I just I was out. I listened to, like, probably, I'd say a minute or a minute and a half before I just felt a little nauseated, so I had to get out of there, so I did. And then I went on to the tribute to Led Zeppelin, which is also very disappointing. (sighs) So, here's the thing. Some of the contributors. Kiss, Duran Duran, Tori Amos, Sheryl Crow, Blind Melon, Stone Temple Pilots, Rollins Band, Robert Plant, and Cracker. Now, first of all, why the fuck is Cracker ending up on all of these compilations? Cracker's on, like, every (laughs) compilation. It's fucking ridiculous. I just, you know, I get that they love Led Zeppelin, but if you're not Ann Wilson, just leave it the fuck alone. I just don't get it. I tried so hard. I'm a Tori Amos fan. I'm into Duran Duran. I'm into Blind Melon. I was okay with Stone Temple Pilots. I love Robert Plant. I love Rollins Band. 
I didn't fucking get it. So I say, just skip it. Then we go on to Chuck B. Cover, tribute to Chuck Berry. This was the worst of all of them. Poor fucking Chuck. Leave his legacy alone. Very sad. Linda Ronstadt, Jerry Lee Lewis, Rod Stewart, Emmylou Harris, Buddy Holly, The Kinks, George Thorogood, and The Destroyers, and Stray Cats. Now, even the people who listened to it gave it a 3.5 out of 5. Wow. So... It's not just me, I swear. Although, a lot of these get 4.3, and I was like, uh, no. But again, I am a diehard fan, mm-hmm. and I want to hear it done right. And if you can't do it justice, then don't do it. That leads me to Stoned Immaculate, Music of the Doors. I I didn't get it. John Lee Hooker, I mean, Bo Diddley, you're like, fuck yeah, it's going to be great. And they were okay. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots, Creed, Ugh. really? Train, really? Days of the New. I love Days of the New. I love Train. I love I love some of these bands, but not doing The Doors. You cannot do The Doors justice. And I, I it just broke my heart. And if you're not going to change it or do something different with it, and you're just trying to do like a repeat version of it or trying to do something similar, it's not going to work. It's just not. So Stone Immaculate got 4.3 out of 5. And wow. I, I, I just, I don't get it. I think it's just people miss The Doors. I think sometimes if you just miss that artist, you're like, oh, yes. I, I'm a diehard Doors fan. Yes. I, I, but, and I, I go to see Doors tributes all the time. I love the Doors like nothing else. And I got to say, this does not enthrall me, the sound of it. I haven't heard it, though. I haven't heard it. But they don't cover well. It's the same thing with Led Zeppelin. It's very hard to pull off a cover of Led Zeppelin, except Heart seems to kill it every single well, time. I don't Wilson. know what's up with them because Dan Wilson. That yeah. voice. And uh, Tori Amos, huge, huge Zeppelin fan who doesn't sound like them, of course, but uh, usually covers them in concert. The only thing interesting about that album, and the only track I remember hearing from it, was Robert Plant had said that he was not going to let them do Down by the Seaside on that uh, tribute album unless Tori Amos sang it and unless it was in such and such time signature, which I won't pretend to understand. Mm. But um, And that's the only thing I heard that once. I didn't think much of it. I loved the original. I did not like. Uh, so none of that stuff interests me, including those. Uh, Chuck Berry, though, I have to... Strange thing about Chuck Berry is he covers very well. A lot of people do Chuck Berry par- uh, covers that are just knocked out of the park, abs- like uh, the Rolling Stones, like the Beatles. Probably my favorite version ever of Brown Eyed Handsome Man was done by Tanya Tucker, believe it or not. Mm, yeah, no, I mean, I can no, he that. covers Linda Ronstadt. He covers very, very well, as much as I love his originals. That I would probably listen to. The other ones, honestly, none of them have grabbed me yet. Well, they didn't grab me either, even though I did try to listen to all of them. So we're going on to Enjoy Every Sandwich, the songs of Warren Zevon. I am a huge fan. (laughs) No, Billy Bob Thornton. I'm sorry. Jackson (laughs) Brown, Don Henley. Now, if you're going to have people cover Warren Zevon, I think those are some decent people to do it. Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, Adam Sandler. Now, that really threw me. Although he does a good job, I'm not sure that that's a tribute. That just kind of, he does wear Wolf of London. Um, Jordan Zevon makes sense, Pete Yorn, and the Pixie. So on this one, I will say there are some decent, I'm going to say probably three out of five, decent covers on this one. So it was less disappointing than most of the other ones, but still very disappointing to me again. Warren Zevon, I mean, you just can't touch him. He's got a he's got a specific sound to his voice. It has a particular, you know, time period sound to it, and I just didn't like what they did to it. It kind of messed with it for me. And then I go into the most disappointing of all so far, and I have a couple more to cover, but Killer Queen, a tribute to Queen. Los Lobos, 
Yeah, I, <laughs> I saw that and I, I did a double take. Hey, anything's possible, I guess. Joss Stone, some forty-one, and Jason Mraz. Oh, I don't uh-oh. understand. Don't ever say Jason Mraz <laughs> to me again. Oh, I am just saying. I'm sorry. Do we remember that it was Freddie Mercury that fronted this band that is now fronted by Adam Lambert? And he, you have Los Lobos and Joss Stone. Now, Joss Stone's an incredible singer. If you don't know Joss Stone, check out her stuff. But uh... The only cover I've ever heard of Queen that I thought was really great was Pink's Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, Pink uh, is amazing. Uh, but nobody else seems to get that. Nobody you know, gets nobody it. Nobody else gets to that point. Chimes of Freedom, the songs of Bob Dylan honoring 50 years, Amnesty International. So this was pretty cool. Again, you know... I am a Dylan poet fan. I love his poetry. I love his lyrics. I'm not so much a Dylan vocalist fan. However, there is that rawness and that that emotion and that, for me, it just, he tears my heart out when he sings. So I didn't exactly get that from some of these, although I didn't listen to all of them. They were some really beautiful efforts on this particular one. Now, didn't compare, but they were beautiful. And I really felt like they did do justice and so i would recommend that one and then looking into you tribute to jackson brown now i will say this was also another really good one because think of who you have in this you have uh, bruce springsteen jimmy lafave bonnie Raitt, sean colvin lucinda williams indigo girls and joan osborne it was it was the right people doing the right music and i think they did okay uh, but the one that i would really recommend out of all of these out of all of them is the stone free which is the tribute wow. to Jimi Hendrix. No, I haven't heard any of that one. Now, the Dylan one is intriguing because it has Pete Townsend on it and it has uh, Johnny Cash and it has people like that. Uh, he can cover pretty well, too. I haven't heard much of that, but uh, I remember a stirring version of I Shall Be Released by Chrissy Hind once that I, mm. oh, that is incredible. Believe it or not, even Emerson, Lake, and Palmer covered Bob Dylan. Now, that's obscure. Oh, one. Yeah. wow. The Man in the Long I Black Coat. That. Yes, oh. yeah pretty good well nothing touches his original though no of course yeah i do recommend for you because you are a huge dylan fan and because you do enjoy different interpretations of artists that you love i do really think you would enjoy that chimes of freedom okay i shall have to check that out and stone free that's very good too um so for me as far as raven or nevermore this is a tough one because for me Am I going to go listen to Elton John or this, or Jimi Hendrix or this, or the Carpenters? I would rather listen to the actual artist. So for me, I'm actually nevermore, unless they've passed away and we're really doing a tribute. So for me, as far as these comp- tribute compilation albums, I am a nevermore, David. Christina says, I'm good. I'm good. What about <laughs> well, you? What I you must think? I must be the same. As I was saying earlier on, I kind of tipped my hand a little bit. I said, I've never had a compilation tribute album, and I don't care. So, And even having that brought to my attention doesn't bother me. So, yeah, I guess I'm a Nevermore, too. I, yeah, uh, I don't now, get it. I mean, if somebody does a cover in the middle of another album of something else, okay, that's fine. Of course. But, I mean, a whole album, and, you know, I, I, I don't gravitate towards them, except now she's got me thinking, ooh, werewolves of love. That's right. <laughs> uh, That's right. Classic. Classic. 
Alright, okay, well, Raven or Nevermore. I think we both said Nevermore. That's Nevermore. A, that's, have we ever agreed before? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't think we had. It may know? not happen a lot, but we have. Oh, good. Okay. So, yeah, so we are both Nevermore. Of course, you be the judge for yourself, but again, Stone Free, and if you're a diehard Dylan fan, Chimes of Freedom. Yeah, trust us, trust us. All right, so David, that takes us to song number seven. Um, and the band is To Love or To Hate, and the song is Heaven and Hell. They are from Hanford, California. They are industrial synth pop, goth, and dark wave. So this song, the bells, the guitar, the psychedelic furs vocals, all conjure visions of nights dancing at the Stardust Club in Downey, California, uh. with some of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. We'll meet there again soon. Until then, please enjoy Heaven and Hell. Yeah. 
Hi, that brings us to our third feature, Concerts to Crow About. And for this feature, we share our most memorable concert experiences, be they back in the day or be they recent. Most likely they're going to be older ones. And this time, a memorable performance by Meat Loaf from 1977 or 1978, early, I don't remember which one. Uh, I was young, and I was dumb, and I was a typical rockhead suburban kid reading Cream and Circus Magazine. So when I saw the striking cover art of Bat Outta Hell, I thought, oh, that looks cool. <laughs> and I bought it, sound unheard. Yeah, uh, Yes, basically, I was butthead without the braces, okay? <laughs> only, uh, only twice have I ever done that in my life. Bought a record either from the cover or something that it said on the cover. The other time was actually Tori Amos, believe it or not. Mm. It had stickers on there saying, you know, Rolling Stone said it was this, that, and the other thing. And I thought, oh, hell, I'll buy it. You know, that was a Little Earthquakes. And this concert was in support of a brand new release album at the time, and that might have been, oh, 44 years ago or 43 years ago, but even you kids out there know this one, I'm sure, because it's the third longest charting in the UK of all time, behind Dark Side of the Moon and Fleetwood Mac Rumors, and it still sells a couple hundred thousand copies a year. Bat Out of Hell by Meatloaf. You know something from it, or you know the whole thing. It's iconic, and there is no uh, generation on this one. It's uh, known to everybody. It sold over 43 million copies worldwide, and this was the record that nobody wanted to make. Composer Jim Steinman and his National Lampoon Roadshow partner Meatloaf shopped this record around for a long, long time, facing one brutal rejection after another. Uh, nobody was taking a shine to Steinman's vision for an epic Wagnerian rock opera. Now, Meatloaf was a veteran stage performer and singer, having appeared in The Rocky Horror Show and appeared on Ted Nugent's second solo album, Free For All, singing lead vocals on five songs. That's five out of nine, so more than half of it is Meatloaf's album. Uh, pummeling hard rock, poignant ballads, everything you've come to expect from him. It's a good one to check out if you don't know. But Meatloaf and Steinman were about to become household words when they finally got a deal with Epic Records. The album ended up being produced by Todd Rundgren, whose band Utopia plays on the record, and he himself handles the guitar duties, and Edgar Winter even appears on saxophone on one song. The female vocalist on the live shows and the feisty brunette you see in the videos was Carla DeVito. Fuck. The female vocalist... The female... The female vocalist you see in the early videos and on the tour was the feisty brunette you saw. Oh, the female vocalist on the tour was the feisty brunette you see in the videos, Carla DeVito, who has a very fine solo album called Is This a Cool World or What? And if you're one of those 200,000 people who picks up the CD reissue, there are a couple of bonus live tracks that will actually give you a window into what I saw that night because they were recorded on that tour with the band I was talking about. Now, having picked up this album early in its release, I caught a show from part of the very first tour, and it was in a college gymnasium in Orange County, New York. Uh, big, big enough place, but not the kind of place you expect Meatloaf to be performing. Okay, so we're there, and we're the in crowd now. We're into something big before anybody else knows. We're Meatloaf fans, man. Uh, so the lights go down, and the band kicks into a metallic take on Ravel's Bolero for about four minutes before launching into the grandiose intro to the show and the album opener, Bat Out of Hell. After several minutes of high hard rock drama, including an overture-like preview of the chorus's melody, the band settles down to play the theatrical piano intro for a few minutes, and then, for the first time in the evening, in walks Meatloaf himself. Now everyone knows he didn't write the songs, and he certainly wasn't playing during the stunning build-up, but 
There's only one man who can really sing these songs and make them live, and here he was. And man, did he sing. He was howling out the end of All Revved Up With No Place To Go, breezing through the 50s retro-sounding You Took The Words Right Out Of My Mouth, which featured the crazy interchange between Steinman and DeVito at the beginning about the wolf with the red roses. And I just found this out. That's what actually ended up getting them the record deal. That part there, mm. that would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses, that's what got them the deal, believe it or not. Wow. And they performed that live, of course. Steinman, by the way, also did a maniacal soliloquy about wanting to kill his parents with electric guitars... <laughs> Probably a wicked satire of The Doors' creepy The End, mm. uh, I'm thinking. Uh, the adolescent sexual tension of Paradise by the Dashboard Light was well played out by Meat and Carla. Then, on the eight-minute opus for Crying Out Loud, he lowered the mic and filled the auditorium with sheer lung power. In 1983, Meat would go on to win a Best Rock Vocal Grammy for I'd Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That. But the granddaddy of all Meatloaf ballads was the first one, beautifully worked out here, Two out of three ain't bad. Jim Steinman's lofty vision of operatic rock was perfectly realized at last. They had done it. Despite the shortage of fancy lighting or sets or props or any such trappings, this was a rock and roll spectacle like few I've ever witnessed. And I'm very glad I was there at this concert to crow about, so I guess the moral of the story is, sometimes it pays to get your butt head on. (laughs) Yes, it does. All right, so this is song number six, and another one so close to my heart. This is Cliff and Ivy, and they are dear, dear friends. Um, I met them a number of years ago, and we performed together, including whenever they come out, they always have us perform with them. Then they've seen people hit on you. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) And act strangely, yes. (laughs) They're exactly the people I was talking about before, yeah. Yeah, Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) They actually are from Alaska. So oh. when they come, it's quite a, a quite a big deal. Wow. Um, so they're one of the more original and intriguing projects in the international goth music scene right now, per Goth Rock magazine. Cliff and Ivy are a duo based in Alaska, as I mentioned. They sound as if Susie, Sue, and Iggy Pop had a baby. So their music is influenced by magic. Uh, their psychedelic style lyrics and are also derived from just their amazing imagination, their amazing creativity. These two... Two people. They are a married couple, and they are the sweetest, kindest, gentlest people you'll ever meet. They're so wonderful, and it's great because they exude this light, but then they have, you know, they look like this. They have, you know, the dark goth makeup. She has her head shaved, you know, so they... <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't be on this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't exude too much lighter. You don't make it on this episode. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> they are incredible. And this song, of course, as soon as we thought do, of doing goth, I reached out to them and I said, do you guys have something you want to give? And of course, sweetly, they said, oh, that's such an honor. Thank you so much for thinking of us. And of course, they are goth. This song is called Will to the Power, and they consider themselves goth, rock, industrial, and electronic. And I will say Ivy's voice is emotive. Um, It's wonderfully dark and commanding, and they are the perfect blend between classic and new goth. Enjoy my friends and people I love. This is Cliff and Ivy.
So that was Cliff and Ivy with Will to the Power. And you can find them at cliffandivy.com. Do not miss them. If you love goth, you will love Cliff and Ivy. Good. Okay. <laughs> I hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I wasn't seeing anything. <laughs> we had a problem. Now, you see, one of the things you, you don't see... Uh, you've never seen me do the show before. No. I mean, we've never been, you know, like this. I've seen your reactions to things, and you've been looked at, and how, how, what is it you said? I get so animated? Yeah, it's so great. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and I, and I don't see your, your constant, your reactions and your emotions. It's so on display. It's I just know. incredible. <laughs> and, and one of the things that you don't see is my, I'm constantly distracted by these weird spots on my monitor and my keyboard. And it's like, I, I, the only thing I can think of, or the only thing I thought of, was some sort of primates are jizzing all over my computer. Mm, and I just, that's probably the, that's it, what happened. But but no, but not really. I went to okay. I mean, I'm trying to be Sherlockian about it. I um I live alone and I lock my door tight, so no, it isn't that. But then I thought, wait a minute, you've got an overhead air conditioning unit, and I thought, there you go. The primates are jizzing into the air conditioning unit. Oh you know? my god! Well, it makes it cooler though. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Yeah. Weird I mean, smell though. Yeah, it's uh, it finally occurred to me. So that's that. If I ever lose, uh, seem like I've just completely lost it. That's why. Just so you know. Fair enough. Good okay. to know. Thank you. All right. So we're up to feature four. Hell yes or oh hell no. For this feature, we consider bands or acts and determine if we are advocates for them. Hell yes or detractors. Oh hell no. We ask for your opinions on the band or artist and share the results. And this time. I perhaps expected a little bit more polarization, but didn't get a whole lot in the matter of Lady Gaga. And since we've come to that point, we had to keep our donut holes shut about it last time, we get to finally open up and I'll tell you that I unreservedly love Lady Gaga. And um, I actually, 
there's no other modern artist, contemporary artist, who I have two of their records. There simply isn't one. Lady Gaga's the only one. I have two of her albums. And uh, anyone who would deign to suggest that she can't sing needs to clap their hand over their mouth, sit down and watch the Oscar ceremony where she sang the Sound of Music medley, brought Dame Judy Andrews to tears, and me as well, every single time, uh, in pure white, absolute, the picture of class, elegance, and grace, and when you dry your eyes from that, flip on to the rehearsal for the Grammys, which she performed with Metallica doing the song Moth Into Flame. And uh, you, once again, you'll be astounded, as many viewers were. Of course, you had the usual knucklehead saying Metallica sold out and all that garbage. But then you had people that's like, oh, I never really thought about Lady Gaga before, but uh, she's she's actually good. She should make a record like this. You know, She should make a hard rock album. I totally agree with that. Um, one hilarious comment, the guy said, you know, I've never found her attractive before, but I, I watched this, and now suddenly I want her in the worst way. <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> and it's like, oh, now she's hot. She sang a hard rock. She sang a heavy metal song. But she growled it out as, as, with the same aplomb as James Hetfield, and it was just a brilliant performance. The song is much better that way. When I have the record and I listen to it, and I'm thinking, gee, where's Lady Gaga? It's missing. I mean, it's just not the same. And, of course, a lady who can croon the Great American Songbook with Tony Bennett. Come on, now. This woman can do anything. And she writes. And she plays extremely well. She might have released a crap tune somewhere along the line early on. But listen to... I would recommend, if you really aren't sold on Lady Gaga, as 90 what percent? Six, 98%. 98% of our listeners were. 98% of our listeners were, hell yes, Lady Gaga. Two were neither. They liked her voice. They, they liked, didn't really like her music. Yeah, yeah, which I kind of get. I mean, it's uh, the voice is inarguable. The music, maybe not, even though she does every... If you stick around long enough, she'll do any kind of music. But uh, anybody who has any doubts, listen to the album Born This Way. It is really stunning. Stunning. I mean, it's it, this is more like a progressive rock album than anything else. There are a couple of even anthems on there, punk anthems, like, and I would say, wow, if only it had guitars instead of synthesizers, but as you've heard me preach this before, and I'll never back down from this, the artist always gets it right. It's just sometimes we peasants in the street wish they got it wrong, that's all. <laughs> we just want a little bit different, but we're wrong. We suck. They're the ones who made it. I'm, I don't want anybody questioning my art. Did you really mean to play it that shitty? Yes, I did. Thank you. you know? <laughs> did you really mean for the bass to come in late there? Yes, yes. exactly. I planned it that way. Thank you for noticing. You know? <laughs> but uh, she's, she can and she can write uh, this album alone, Born This Way, will just change your view. Uh, by the way, Alice Cooper even does that chorus in uh, on stage, uh, and I don't think it's a piss take. I think it's a genuine salute, because he also did a song with Kesha, and it totally rocked. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. did a song with Kesha. It was wonderful. Um, but yeah, Lady Gaga, and her, she makes music that is actually worth listening to. This is not These are not dance records. You don't throw these on at a rave. These are real albums, especially when you get that late on. And uh, just the songs are incredible, and she just evidences so much range and so much talent that I don't know how anybody can deny it. And she does the old publicity stunt thing with the meat dress and the this and the that and all the weird stuff and everything, but it's not compensating for a lack of talent. It's doing the same thing as Alice Cooper and people like that did in my day, and we never thought twice about it. And the records remain viable and uh, timeless 40 years later, as I'm sure hers will too, because they're just that good. Believe it or not, if you have any doubts, give her a serious listen. Although, thankfully, most of our uh, audience was on the same page. And how about you, Christina? I am a diehard Gaga fan. I am all about 
singers who can actually sing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out there who sing who can't actually sing. That is somebody who is a absolute killer singer in every way. And she is a showman. Um, she can do anything from be super pop princess, which she has been, to somebody who is really prov- provocative and, you know, obviously the meat dress and, and all the weird clothing. And most of that clothing, if you know, her fans sent to her all the weird clothing. So she wore it kind of as, you know, out of respect for her fans who sent her all these weird outfits and she would actually wear them. I mean, what a huge honor for her fans. And she just rocked it. But that voice, there is nothing like that voice. She can do anything she's done. Obviously, she's done jazz. She can do rock, obviously. She can do pop. She can do no wrong in my eyes. I think she's absolutely incredible. Now she's added acting. I mean, she did American Horror Story a number of years ago. But then we saw A Star is Born, and there is just no doubting that her talent... She's really a triple threat and everything. She can dance like no one's business, right. too. Right. But I will say she has, even though you know she's far younger than I am... And she hasn't been on the scene that long. She's a huge influence to me to continue to push my voice and to push myself as a performer to start doing different genres of music. She's one of the reasons that I wanted to do collaborations of different kinds of music because you don't have to be stuck in one genre. You don't have to just play to your strengths. You can do whatever you want. And so it's really, she's really an inspiration. I love her messaging. She's got a lot of powerful messages. And I think, again, we've talked about it before. If you are a musician, Use your platform for good. So she does a lot of good work with the LGBTIAQ. I may have said that in the wrong order. Um, And I'm all about that. I'm a huge advocate for that community as well. And so is she. And she really gives a lot of hope to people. And for me, (laughs) that is a star. Well, I'm a hell yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, some of her fans are a little, little too far overboard, and she's in, and they claim that she encourages them to be that far overboard. You know, little like, monsters. I'm a little monster. Little monster. Yeah. But it's like, well, I'm a, I'm an albino fruit bat from Venus, and my family thinks I'm, I'm making it all up. But Mother Monster, she understands, and it's like, no, you're not a fucking albino fruit bat from Venus. Okay? Hey, you know what? <laughs> Whatever they want to let them let them see themselves the way they want. It doesn't hurt me. Yeah. How, however, I will say one thing that's amazing about her is, and she could do it. And she's not. She's not an exhibitionist. Okay, well, maybe she is a little bit. I mean, she's not a vocal exhibitionist. She's not like I was talking about last time, bellowing for the sake of bellowing. When she really lets it all hang out with her voice, it's in in the service of a really good melody. Oh, yes. And uh, she does not just blast your eardrums out and go, see, oh, check out my pipes. Oh, I, what lungs I have. Well, think she of shallows. Do yeah. She does it. She starts in in this very even keel, and then she just goes. And, and, and she's perfect. proven that she can really act. Uh, I mean, it, I, I never watched American Horror Story or anything, but in that depression, Pressing ass Star is Born movie. She was really good. (laughs) (laughs) Did you not know how it was going to fucking end? (laughs) It was worse than it needed to be, okay? You didn't see the original movie. We all knew what was coming. Yeah, it didn't end like that. (laughs) But she proved you that, and she showed up in one scene, and I no doubt she was behind this. She showed up at the door in one scene wearing a Yes t shirt. Of course. She's no doubt that was her idea. She is a rock and roller. And uh, let nobody doubt that, you know. And she's a you know a big rock fan. She sings rock like nobody's business. And I just thought that was super cool of her to do that. And uh, she's got she's got everything. I mean, she really has it all. Uh, she, she has really every does. imaginable talent. She's up in the, in the likes of like Cher and, and uh, Barbara Streisand and people like that. 
And I think she's better than them, actually. But you know. I've actually watched the Born This Way tour. I mean, I didn't get to go to the tour, but if you want to see talent on display, she does do the dancing and the singing and everything, and she's challenged a lot of the pop princesses to say, don't fucking lip sync, sing. And she dances, and she sings while she's fucking dancing. So it can be done, crazies. It can be done. So she's like, don't fucking lip sync. Put your money where your mouth is, bitch. <laughs> like what we said on an earlier show, don't have such elaborate choreography that it makes it, <laughs> makes right. it so that you can't sing. So you're you know? wheezing? Just please don't do that. <laughs> exactly. Less dance, you know? Less dancing, more singing. So Lady Gaga, oh hell yes. Yeah. We and you and I and the fans are all in one accord on this. That's correct. I'm glad we didn't have to like school anybody. <laughs> I'm glad. I don't want to have to. <laughs> We're preaching to the choir this time. <laughs> That's yeah. correct. We're exactly. chirping to the choir. There we go. <laughs> all right. All right. Song number five. A man very close to us all here especially me at uh, the show and at Fusion, Louis Drayton. Now, this particular song truly deserves to be called goth. and But Louis Drayton is all over the map. Louis Drayton start, uh, started doing punk rock records, well, uh, actually uh, electronic pastiches of his own making, and uh, sound collages and rap and everything. He does everything. Punk rock, rap, electronica, and vaudeville. He's one of the most flexible vocalists and the most astounding rappers I've ever heard. Plenty of range, plenty of offerings in that cornucopia that is his musical canon. And let's hear a uh, as close to goth as we get. Certainly fits the bill track from Lewis Drayton called Pretty In Your Face.
do the other shit later. Yeah. Um. What? Pastiches. <laughs> I can't even say it <laughs> right. And <laughs> plum. <laughs> Who uses these fucking words, David? Prescient people. <laughs> Prescient fucking people. I'm like, are you kidding me? This shit's just rolling the fuck out of your mouth. What in the ever loving fuck is happening? <laughs> I don't know. Oh my <laughs> god. Holy shit. You like? Oh, hang on a second. Let me pull. Up. Oh, no, that's only a ten point word. Ooh, thirty <laughs> points. Perfect. <laughs> The fuck? <laughs> Alright, okay. Alright, Lewis Strayton with Pretty in Your Face. You see, I'd like to be able to sing like that. <laughs> Lewis, of course, from the UK, who can be found at, uh, well, Facebook, a uh, number of different, uh, as, a, as a human being and as an artist who's not a human being, as we know. Uh, Correct. LewisStrayton.com uh, slash UK, if such a thing exists, or Bandcamp. Right, Bandcamp, you get all this stuff there. Uh, mm-hmm. Him and his solo work and some of his collaborations with others like Octane and uh, Tosca Wild. And uh, you can hear Lewis Drayton every other week on Fusion Music Radio's Butterflies and Hurricanes, co-starring with yours truly. And uh, you will... Uh, this guy's the king of radio. Okay, he really is. I don't believe I get to do a show with him. So you will not be disappointed. Just check out his music, check out his radio. Just ignore me and just listen to Lewis Drayton. And... Uh, <laughs> And we're very glad he had a song that fit the bill tonight because he deserves to be here. It's a fantastic tune, as you just heard. And I will say, I've been listening to Lewis Drayton since I kind of met you, which has been, what, eight months now? Um, And I was listening to the entire catalog. I've been doing it off and on, Six Inch Killers, all the way back. And when I heard this song, I was like, that has to be on the countdown. That is fucking goth. And that is Lewis Drayton. He is... He becomes whatever genre he is performing, and he is absolutely incomparable. So please listen to all his stuff, not just this, but go out and listen to his entire catalog. He's brilliant. And of course, Butterflies and Hurricanes. Yeah, he's as magic on the mic as he is with the lyrics. Uh, He's just just the greatest lyricist you'll hear. So do check that out. And we're not just saying that because he pays us, because he doesn't pay us. No, I haven't got a fucking dime. (laughs) All All right, it's your turn. All right, so now we are on to feature number five, Unnested Flying Solo. This feature focuses on solo artists that flew solo but were once part of a larger band. The band, in this case, is Genesis that was active from 1967 to 1975, and there were two solo artists that emerged from this band. We are going to focus on one this week, and that is the amazing, inspirational Peter Gabriel. So his breakout single was Salisbury Hill. His landmark album was the album So, which is really this transformative album for me. It absolutely floors me. Every time I hear it, I am reduced to tears at one point or another. He has a great staying power. He has nine studio albums. In 1977, Peter Gabriel won, also known as Carr, Salisbury Hill, Modern Love, Here Comes the Flood. All of these tear jerkers for me. 1978, Peter Gabriel 2, a.k.a. Scratch. So if you take a look at the covers, they are letting you know why there are these a.k.a. um, names. On the Air, Mother of Violence. 1980, Peter Gabriel 3, also known as Melt. Games Without Frontiers, No Self-Control, and I Don't Remember. And then also the classic Biko. Ugh, these songs are so brilliantly executed and so beautiful and have the lyrical content that is 
Out of This World. 1982, Peter Gabriel 4, also known as Security. I Have the Touch, Shock the Monkey, San Jacinto, which is where we are right now. Uh, Lay Your Hands on Me and the Rhythm of the Heat. I mean, absolutely. I just, I cannot say enough about this man. The 1986, the so By the way, album. that record there, Security, that's the one Peter Gabriel album I know backwards and forwards that, mm. I, that I've heard uh, several times and everything. It's, uh, it's unforgettable. It really is. It really is. Of course, so is this next one. Yes, so is this next one. Oh, look what you did there. So, 1986, so Sledgehammer, Don't Give Up, In Your Eyes. Oh, oh. I, oh. In your eyes, oh. the light, the heat. Oh, my goodness. That song, I mean, it is. it was actually, I'm not, now I'm going to tell you, if, if I say that, I'm going to tell you how old I am. Anyway, it was my prom theme song. There you go. We'll, um, we'll but, move on from that. But it was, <laughs> but it, I, I didn't graduate in 1986. I didn't. It was years and years later. Anyway. Uh, so, it was, um, as I mentioned, Big Time, Red oh. Rain, That Voice Again, and Mercy Street. Oh, my God. I listened to that album. I'm on my way. So good. Classic. That album I listened to so many times. That and Joshua Tree were two. And then, of course, Violator, which is Depeche Mode. I just listened to those three so many times and got lost in them. That explains a lot. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I'll tell you what explains a lot. <laughs> Um, 1992, Us, Digging in the Dirt, Steam, Blood of Eden, uh, and also Come Talk to Me, both done with Sinead O'Connor, who was huge at the time, the Up album, The Barry Williams Show, and More Than This, and we're going to talk a little bit about Scratch My Back in a second, but I saw the Us tour, the Up tour, the So Anniversary tour, and I saw Peter Gabriel and Sting together, so I am a huge fan of Peter Gabriel, um, and even driving to San Diego to see him, I would kind of go anywhere to see good music. Of course, we know that you wouldn't drive to Vegas to see Queen, but that's different. We'll go back to that another <laughs> time. Um, so if we go, but, to, I, but I went to Vegas to see Jaggedy. Yeah, so. um, I don't know how Brian May feels about that, but that's cool. <laughs> so then, in two thousand nine, something happened. Something that was pretty unfortunate, but. Um, it was a great effort. 2009, Scratch My Back. So Peter Gabriel covered David Bowie, Paul Simon, Lou Reed, Talking Heads, Buffalo Springfield, and Radiohead. And unfortunately, even though I am a huge Peter Gabriel fan, I didn't get this. Um, it, it didn't resonate with me. And then people covered him. So it was basically, you know, they scratch his back, he scratches theirs. People that covered Peter Gabriel were David Byrne, um, Regina Spector. Joseph Arthur, Ryan Newman, Lou Reed, Paul Simon, Brian Eno. And I'm just going to tell you, I listened to tons of this and neither thrilled me. So it's unfortunate. I was excited about it, but um, you might want to give it a shot. Scratch my back. Um, And then 2011, New Blood Songs from Security, Melt, Sew Up, and OVO. So those were the Peter Gabriel era. Now, it would be a travesty if I didn't talk about Genesis from 1967 to 1975 for just a second. Not that big a one. I'm sorry. I'm an infidel. I'm a heretic. Go ahead. Yes. 1969 from Genesis to Revelation. The Silent Sun, A Winter's Tale, Where the Sour Turns to Sweet. 1970, Trespass the Knife, Looking for Someone. 1971, Nursery Crime, Happy the Man, Seven Stones, Musical Box, The Return of the Giant Hogweed. Uh, 1972, Foxtrot, Supper's Ready, Watcher of the Skies, Get Him Out by Friday. 
Oh, there's so many good ones here. 1973, Selling England by the Pound, I Know What I Like in Your Wardrobe, Dancing with the Moonlit Night in 1974, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, Counting Out Time, The Carpet Crawlers, and of course, the title track. And in 1975, they went on without Peter Gabriel, as we all know, Phil Collins fronts uh, Genesis to this day. And uh, But I can't say enough about this particular artist that went solo. He was brilliant with Genesis. I am glad he went solo. His music absolutely changed my life and inspires me all the time. If I could be any kind of artist, I think I would really be an artist like him. He is so heartfelt and he is so... Um, really i feel like he's very socially responsible i feel like he cares about things that other people care about and he talks about them some of the stuff that people don't want to talk about he'll talk about and i love that so i am a huge fan of peter gabriel what say you well i'm gonna have to agree with you i'm glad he went solo because i infidel herrick uh, well i'm gonna have to agree with you that i'm glad he went solo because I, like I said, Infidel, Total Heretic, I did not, and I knew a bunch of these songs that you mentioned. I'm not that big on the early Genesis with Gabriel. I mean, the same friend I had who introduced me to uh, Gabriel's security album and, and was into that kind of thing, he was into strange music, um, also had, you know, subjected me to Lamb Lies Down on Broadway and stuff like that. Mm. And I'm sorry, I just, I this sounds makes me sound like the lamest person ever, mm. but I like... Phil Collins' Genesis better, mm. and I like Gabriel's solo better. I know they're a pop band or whatever you want to call them. I think they're freaking great. but uh, And I like Gabriel's solo a lot. He's fantastic. I mean, Big Time and Sledgehammer are just absolutely rock your world. Uh, in your eyes would melt anybody, uh, Salisbury Hill. Uh, and like I said, I was familiar with the Security album. I just think he was better off solo, unlike, say, John Lennon, for example. Uh, once he was solo, even though they were his songs in Genesis, so he rightly it deserves the focus here, and not Phil Collins, you know. But um, Phil Collins was the drummer, and that was it, you know. But um, I uh, didn't care for the original Genesis with, with Gabriel. I mean, I'm into Prague, and they just never resonated with me. So glad he went his way, and glad they went theirs because they both produced very nice work. You you only saved yourself by saying that at the end there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was my hearts and flowers hearts and flowers resolution right right at the end yeah. alright that leaves you to talk about someone close to our hearts ah oh, yes the dear Jokabats from the UK the husband another husband wife duo uh, with the same strange and wonderful tastes and influences and uh, sounds that they bring us and uh, imagery oh these Jokabats excel at videos you simply must see them and you can get them all from their social media, which we'll get to in a minute. This is a new song from the Joker Bands, and this is a world premiere here on Birds of a Feather by leave of the band, and we're very honored to introduce it to you, called Genevieve, although when I saw it, I originally translated it into the French-accented Genevieve, because it just sounds, because I, the actress Genevieve Bougelot, who uh, I was uh, had a thing for when I was a young man. And this is a brilliant departure for Joker Bats. They had this sound which, as I said, Rob Zombie meets the Cramps, wonderful, dark, complex but primal very very sophisticated never lose sight of that how sophisticated their music is but it's as they used to say on American Bandstand you can dance to it it's great stuff this is a totally different sort of thing this is a uh, it's a, sort of like a dark powerful ballad on the order of Blue Oyster Cult in fact it reminded me a great deal of Blue Oyster Cult 
and songs of theirs like Nosferatu and Debbie Denise. And I just love this stunning new track from Joker Bats called Genevieve. She got a scream and shout. 
feature six already. I can hardly believe it. Almost famous fledglings. And in this feature, uh, we get a glimpse into musicians before they became famous, and we discuss their contributions to the musical lexicon. And this time, it's an artist that I freely admitted before that I've only just become familiar with, and very gratefully so. Morrissey. Morrissey, of course, of the Smiths fame, who eventually went solo. I uh, released four studio albums with the Smiths, with Johnny Marr, uh, one EP, one live album, compilations, etc., and I've just started listening to them. And as I expressed on the last episode, I kind of picked them over the cure. It was something, it was Morrissey's voice, Morrissey's lyrics, uh, albums. You do like your snark, and so I do, do I. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> albums like the original Smiths, Hat Full of Hollow, Meat is Murder, and The Queen is Dead, 1987's The World Won't Listen, and Strange Ways. Uh, 1988's Rank, and then what happened? Then we have Morrissey's solo career. Actually, I don't know if it started earlier or not, because I'm Mm -hmm. only just discovering him. However, before the Smiths, his before they were famous job was music journalism. He also wrote several books on music and film in the early 80s. So he's a music uh, critic, basically. That that must that be. That fits. Yeah, that fits. I would just <laughs> love such a. I mean, he must have been the same sort of music critic as Edgar Allan Poe was a literary critic. Correct. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The rapier wit. You know? <laughs> yes. Uh, the the little the little snark factor, the big snark factor. Now. I, of course, just being introduced to the Smiths, was uh, pretty unfamiliar with Morrissey's solo catalog. So I did uh, listen to them by way of uh, due diligence for the show and everything. And at first, I listened to songs from 1988's Viva Hate, 1990's Bone a Drag, 1991's Kill Uncle, and that was pretty much it. The rest, uh, he did have more, 1992, Your Arsenal, 94... Vauxhall and I, 95. I love this name. Southpaw Grammar. <laughs> Southpaw's a left-hander, in case you didn't know. Yes. Uh, 1997, Maladjusted, 2004. Great cover on this one. You are the quarry. <laughs> 2006, Ringleaders of the Tormentors. That's a great one right there. And 2009, Years of Refusal. Now, I listened to uh, the earlier stuff, all the way up to Kill Uncle, and it's strange. My first reaction, because I was expecting the same kind of line by line by line, what the hell, I can't believe he said this, uh, you know, outrageous snark fest and just total wrongness, you know, as we had on the Smiths, and it really wasn't there, so I thought, oh no, this is kind of a little flatter, this is a little duller, but my expectations were really unrealistic. I wasn't treating them as individual works to be weighed on their own merits, and I listened to them again that evening, and I saw the beauty of them, and I thought, wow, his solo stuff is fantastic too. It is different, but, you know, some of it has the same edge to it, of course, but it, it was really beautiful, so I, I really got that too. So I'd have to say I love both his uh, solo work and his work with the Smiths, and now we know that he comes by his edge and his uh, acumen with words honestly because he was a music journalist so uh, and he was not a complete douchebag like Lester Bangs I'm sure or maybe he was but he would be a hell of a lot more entertaining than Lester Bangs I guarantee it so uh, uh, Christina well I know you feel strongly about this individual so weigh in Absolutely. I'm a huge Smith and a huge Morrissey fan. Um, some of my favorite songs um, really are his solo songs, like Every Day is Like Sunday. That is certainly a very sad, tragic, painful song. Margaret on the guillotine is back again to his, his snark and his wit. Um, you know, Interesting Drug is really, really fun and funny. Ouija board, Ouija board. I mean, come on. (laughs) 
We have, you know, uh, stuff like, uh, you know, we hate it when our friends become successful. He is talking the talk. He's still full snark. He is full on wit. He has given it straight up, but he's doing it with a slightly different rapper. And I like it all. And he is every bit as uh, diva and prima donna as you might imagine that he is. And he's also has this uh, history of being celibate for um, many years, if not his whole life. I know he's had girlfriends, but it was this entire thing about how he's celibate. And maybe there's something to that because he's not distracted by that. Or is he? But either way, he has made absolutely brilliant music with both the Smiths and Solo. And obviously, he continues to make more music because in 2014, he did World Peace is None of Your Business. Great title. (laughs) Yes, in 2017, Low in High School. 2019, California Sun, S-O-N. And in 2020, I Am Not a Dog on a Chain. Great. Another one. What's (laughs) up with these titles? Yes. So Morrissey is still out there, still active. And I would say start with Viva Hate, the same thing, same uh, recommendations I gave David. Start with Viva Hate, go to Bona Drag, do Kill Uncle, and then see where you land because you are going to be hooked right then. And then your arsenal is fantastic as well. So please, if you haven't given the Smiths and or Morrissey a try, I urge you to do so. And so does David, who just discovered them, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, a few, yeah, last show maybe? Yeah, yeah. it was very recent. So song three is by another band that is near and dear to my heart, Deep Drain. Deep Drain is fronted by Mario Carmona, who is a brilliant artist in every way. He makes these beautiful works of art, and they're all over his home, and they're kind of really steampunk, abstract, and just absolutely brilliant. And he also has this amazing room full of synthesizers full synthesizers that you take plugs in and put plugs out of to make different sounds sounds you can never ever replicate again i've been there i've played with them i've made horrible sounds with them but he makes beautiful sounds with them so the song that we are going to play by this amazing band is called stepping stones now they are electronic goth rock and i will tell you mario dresses in full black and he delivers a very emotional almost angry performance every time a lot of songs about heartbreak and pain um, and misunderstanding Uh, this particular song is called stepping stones and it's a really good song a hard rocking song but also always has that goth edge he's actually in fullerton california and strangely an interesting fact bruce plays drums in this band Yes, he plays drums in this band and has off and on for a while. Uh, Deep Drain likes to do a lot of touring, and that is sort of a problem for Bruce because we both work, you know, the full-time job, so that's a little tough. I know Mario does too, but he makes it work. Um, But he does do a lot of tours, like also in Mexico and things, which they're very, very successful tours. He's actually doing a show in Landers not not too long from now, and I don't really know where Landers is, but they are beloved in Landers. So this particular song, again, is another electronic goth rock gem. It is so good. Please go listen to all of Deep Drain's catalogs. But first, let's start with this goth rock anthem that oozes darkness, pain, and beauty called Stepping Stones.
that was Deep Drain with Stepping Stones. You can find them on Facebook at Deep Drain, all one word. Please indulge. You will not be sorry. Now for feature number seven. This is One Hit Warblers. And for this feature, we discuss a one hit wonder that rocked either our world or the music world. And this time it is Edie Burkell and New Bohemians with the song What I Am. I cannot tell you when Edie Brickell broke out onto the scene, this beautiful, bright-eyed brunette with this voice and this song, this bohemian vibe, this, I mean, there she is, you know, dancing around a wrought iron fence that has light bulbs on it. I thought, oh my God, this woman is kind of the quintessential front woman, understated though, a little bit of a throwback. I felt a little Audrey Hepburn with the little, like, kind of mm. black mock turtleneck. The boots were, you know, certainly bohemian. Hair down, you know, past her waist. And then just this voice and this beautiful, like, little impish, angelic face. I just thought, oh, my gosh, she is going to do amazing things. And she did with that one song. <laughs> it was a great song. And I wanted so much more from her. And, you know, I know she's continued to make music. Um, in fact, she has a song, Sing to Me, Willie, 2020. So I need to kind of get back into into Edie Brickell. But I will tell you, there is so much more to this woman than just being married to Paul Simon. So you really need to look at her in her own right. She is a brilliant musician, a brilliant artist, and she's done work um, and collaborations with Steve Martin. So you definitely want to check that out because Steve Martin, of course, is a brilliant banjo yeah, player. Yeah, I believe he's a Grammy award-winning banjo Absolutely. player. Absolutely. Yeah. He's brilliant. So uh, please check out Edie Brickell. But I will tell you, this song... I just thought I want to write songs like that. It was oh, poetry in motion. Yes. It was it was deep. It was beautiful. I just I cannot say enough about this song. So when I was thinking of a one hit wonder that I wished had done so much more, this song and this artist came to mind. Yeah, I remember thinking that it was uh, interesting her relationship with Paul Simon because they are the same kind of person in that they're you know singer songwriters and and uh, roughly the same sort of genre or sort of uh, sound. And it's interesting when people like that get together. You can imagine what just what hanging out with them, what they're like oh. just together, the things, the ideas they kick around together. Uh, another, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, a couple of shows ago, we were talking about Tony Iommi, and he uh, for a while lived with Lita Ford. And I can just imagine these two great guitar players, how they must have, you know, well, he probably influenced her because I think he's a little older, but um, uh, and he started first. But it's it's very interesting when people such so similarly talented. Uh, United. I don't think they recorded anything together uh, no. that I know of. Nope. Not but that I'm that aware. That one of. song made a huge impression, and no, she. Uh, <sighs> it was one of those things. Uh, uh, you stopped being on the charts, and I had thought perhaps she had gone away or something, or gotten into doing something else. But uh, just look at that face. That's all. Anything anybody would ever have to do is a song like this once, and you're a legend to me. I mean, like I said, if Joni Mitchell only wrote both sides now, she'd be a legend for life for me, and that's the same thing with this song here. It's it's brilliant. So now I am curious to hear some more Edie Percal and what she's been up to, because it can't be that somebody who's that good to come up with something like this would uh, have nothing else to offer. It's no, she has, I don't know, like 15 albums. Wow. So uh, definitely jump back in with both feet to Edie Brickell. Um, but never will I ever forget shooting rubber bands at the stars because that album was just like, I mean, really, it was unlike anything I'd heard. And she was just this beautiful little thing. I'll just never forget the first time I saw that video. And I saw it. I don't even dozens of times after that. 
So don't forget about her. Don't count her out. Eve Raquel. No, that's a song that stays with you for decades. As soon as as soon as I saw this on the show for me, I was like, ah, oh, my mind's gone. Philosophy <laughs> is a one-on-one slippery rock religion. I mean, there's no forgetting a song. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a it's smile on a dog. I'm not aware of too many things. I know what I know if you know what I mean. To do yeah. I mean, come on. Right? I'm telling Fuck, you. that song is so great. That's sometimes uh, when you just imagine what it must have been like on the other end of that thing. Oh wow, I really got. Something. I got this something. Is, this is this is big. That takes us to song number two, and an artist that I was so excited to discover recently, Jules Marie, and the song is Rusty Knife, which I love that title. It just gives me so many visuals. <laughs> I can just disturbing see it. Ones, Very yes, disturbing. Yeah. Um, but she is from Indiana and considers herself electronic and goth. And this is this song is a take no shit badass anthem. It sees through your shit and wants you to know it. This song has guitars and synth that cut through like a rusty knife. Enjoy this amazing tune by a great artist, Jules Marie with Rusty Knife.
All right, that was Rusty Knife, and you can find Jules Marie on Reverb Nation at Jules Marie. That's J U L E S M A R I E. All right, next up, song number one, our number one song, and deservedly so. Brilliant song from a band out of LA called Corlix. Brandon and Caitlin, much like uh, Byron and Trixanya of Joker Bats, a husband and wife duo of dark and delicious musical inclinations. And uh, this one, their genres, they describe them as dark, electro, grunge, goth, and they're all of that. And the song will hook you immediately with its throbbing synthesizer and deviously layered vocals, reminiscent of say, an amped-up version of Garbage or Berlin or something like that, but it's a sound that is uniquely their own, as is their look. This is something you have to see from uh, Corlix. And this freaky little number is called Twist Like an Animal.
Alright, that was Corlix with Twist Like an Animal, and that sounds very similar to my credo, if you want to call it that. Uh, behave and speak as a gentleman, but rock like a damn dirty ape. That's kind of the words that I live by. And uh, so twist like an animal. I, I mean, you can be very, very proper and still twist like an animal. And I think that's what they're going for here, honestly. And you can find them and their uh, incredible sounds and incredible looks and incredible everythings on Corlix Official on Facebook and whatever dark and winding roads you might be led on by visiting that page. So Coralex is a band that I discovered probably like six months ago, and I've been following them, and Brandon and Caitlin are two of the the kindest people to their fans. If you follow Coralex and you start to see... Um, if you follow Coralex, you'll start to see that they interact with their fans, and despite their hard look, they are two of the sweetest people ever. And so I wanted to... to take a moment to talk about their kindness and how much they love their fans but then their music this is one of many tracks i had trouble picking a track <laughs> i loved all of them they are so good and their videos you know david you were talking about videos earlier these videos are something to behold their fashion their style the way that they interpret their music and brandon actually is in another band called the dark which is also equally as brilliant i just thought it was a little too much to have both bands on the same <laughs> on the same um, countdown, but I'm sure we'll be hearing from the dark. And I spent a lot of time talking to Caitlin, so thank you, Caitlin, for the permission to play this stuff. And I cannot wait to hear more from this amazing band, and I'm sure they will appear on our countdown again. All right, and now it is time to announce our new Birds of a Feather theme. And again, we're going to stick with Freebird. It's not that we're never going to go back to themes, but we are enjoying being Freebirds at this moment. And this time we are looking for Americana. And you might be thinking, well, what is Americana exactly, Christina? And I would say that is an excellent question. Well, it blends folk, bluegrass, country, rhythm, blues, rock and roll, and gospel music. And it is a beautiful combination. And... Some of the bands that are out there right now in mainstream that are considered Americana and represent the genre well are the Lumineers, the Avett Brothers, and Mumford and Sons. So, if you are an Americana artist or know an Americana artist, please, please point them to the direction of our Birds of a Feather Facebook page, and that's B-O-A-F on air, and or have them send us uh, MP3 to both on air at gmail.com oh yeah as soon as you read that as soon as I saw that Americana a couple of acts came to mind let's hope they submit for us because they totally fit the bill yes please submit alright it is time for that moment in the show that brings a tear to my eye parting is such sweet sorrow the fun part about this is this is where I dole out homework like a mean, mean teacher on a Friday. So for our next Hell Yes or Oh Hell No, we are asking you to weigh in on Tool. Are you in? Are you out? Where are you? Are you Tool fan from years past? Are you a Tool fan today? Are you, do you have the hottest ticket in town, which is a ticket to the concert that is now not to be? Where are you on Tool? Let us know. We will be soliciting your feedback, your opinions, if you will. 
on our Facebook pages, our personal Facebook pages, and also on the Birds of a Feather page and the Birds of a Feather Instagram page, which is both on air. All right, and that leaves us only to wrap this puppy up in a neat little blanket. Uh, the next show date for Birds of a Feather is scheduled for June 19th. And what platforms can you listen to us on? Well, Spreaker, uh, FusionMusicRadio.net, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, oh, I don't know, uh, everywhere pretty much. And apart from us, you can also listen to The Usual Suspects, Butterflies and Hurricanes, The Surge Master Sessions, uh, The Soup Kitchen, Audrey's Mixtape Show, Shock and Awe, the In Details, The Tilly Riddle Show, The Hill Ranch Show, and newly added uh, several episodes of Flowing Backwards, starring Ian Moss of Four Candles, a recent guest of ours, a uh, Manchester punk legend who uh, has a, is a terrific guest, and I'm sure he has a wonderful show for us. So actually, I have to say happy birthday to Bruce. This will air the day after his birthday. He was born on June 4th. So I wanted to take a moment, David, to celebrate the man, the myth, the legend, Bruce Baldwin, all-around fucking brilliant musician and human being. And my dear sweet husband. And, and a very big help and contributor to this show. We were constantly running to him for some sort of assistance here. So <laughs> thank you for facilitating all of this, Bruce. I hope you don't regret it because it's like, oh, God, I'm associated with that. Well, we're not sticking your name in the credits, at least, uh, to embarrass <laughs> you. But, well, we're going to mention you here. And if anyone's still listening to us this late in the game, then they're a diehard. And they'll be honored to know that you were involved. So either way, it's a win. So thank you, Bruce. And happy birthday. So... Before the Bruce interlude, there was <laughs> there was the part about, and that only leaves for you to say, let's get the flock out of here. This has been Birds of a Feather on Fusion Music Radio.